Welcome to Glioblastoma, aka GBM, a podcast brought to you by the Glioblastoma Research Organization, highlighting stories of GBM warriors, caregivers, medical advisors, and more. Join us this season as we connect with members of our incredible community and have meaningful and insightful chats regarding all things glioblastoma. Please note that any information provided on the show is not meant to treat, diagnose, or prevent any disease, and all information that is discussed in our conversation is what worked for the individual themselves and should not be taken as advice. The information provided on this show is not a substitute for professional medical advice, and you should contact your medical provider and healthcare team with any questions. Greg Link, welcome to glioblastoma, a.k.a. GBM. It is a pleasure having you on the show, and thank you for coming to meet with me. Thank you for having me. You know, I know we're here to discuss brain cancer, but obviously that's not you as a person. You have an incredible communications company, and there's so much more that I'd love for you to share about. So for those who don't know you, can you talk a little bit about your previous experience and share more about who Greg is? Sure, absolutely. So the past 25 years, I've had uh, two different PR and marketing companies, One's called Fingerprint Communications, and presently it's Brandlink Communications. What we pretty much started off was getting cele- dressing celebrities, getting celebrities to events, and then became doing PR for Fortune 500 companies, creating events, annual events around Super Bowl, Sundance, Grammys, Emmys, Oscars, getting celebrities to fashion shows and things of that nature, and then working with companies like Too Faced Cosmetics, Drybar, Patron, Starwood, companies in fashion, hospitality, and, and things of that nature. Been doing that for many years, working on events around the world for many years. And um, yeah, it's been an exciting experience. Obviously, a lot of things have evolved now with magazines going away. Mm-hmm. <laughs> everything's digital, everything's on your phone, everything's done through social media. But uh, yeah, I continue to do that. I invest in CPG brands. I'm working with a renewable energy company out of Montana, and I work on events throughout the year. And I like using the quote, I live my life to its fullest, appreciate every day. Mm -hmm. How did you get into the communications company, you know, 20 or odds years ago? What made you decide to do that field? I used to manage actors and actresses, and I had very very good relationships and networking and promoting events and things of that nature. And it started off, Johnny Versace was my first client. Uh, they hired us to get celebrities to sit front row of his fashion shows, wear the dresses for the Oscars, do their advertising campaigns. So we did that for many years, mm-hmm. even after Gianni was murdered. I worked with Donatella after that. Mm-hmm. And then it, it it transformed from celebrities to the, the PR, the marketing, the events, and things of that nature. So I always had a good eye for talent. I always won for relationships. I've, I've known a lot of uh, influential people for many years. Just always been that nice guy. I've gone out of my way. I treat everybody like they're my friends. I was never like throw anyone under the bus. Yeah, it's 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 been a nice experience. I've been able to meet a lot of special people and experience a lot of things for, for many years. Yeah, absolutely. Currently with the products you're working on, are there any particular ones that you're very excited about or passionate about? Or do you feel that way about all your projects? I mean, there's a brand I invested in called Poppy. It's a probiotic soda with apple cider vinegar. Definitely another unicorn company that'll get sold for multiples, but most importantly, it's good for gut health. Mm-hmm. Um, I try and work with and invest in good for you brands, low sugar, low you know low calories, and, and things of that nature. But other than that, the renewable energy project in Montana is called Breezy Point Energy. It's a it's an exciting project as well, especially with what we're going through with the global climate crisis and mm-hmm. all these natural disasters going on right now. 
Yeah, very cool. You know, and so getting into the glioblastoma part of your life, before your diving experience, which I want you to get into next, looking back now, were there any signs or symptoms that you look back and say maybe that could have been a sign that something was a little off, that maybe I should have gotten something checked out? So, yeah, I had three different signs leading up to them where they were kind of like, they weren't seizures by any means as far as um, my body or anything. It was more of visual in my mind. So I was just, I would look at my phone and I would see kind of like a discoloration or an imbalance. Then, you know, I'd feel a little wheezy. Granted, the the three occasions that I remember, I was a little, I was probably either hungover or intoxicated. Mm -hmm. You know, I remember the first one, I was driving my car back to my house in Laurel Canyon. And I was like, I don't feel right. I feel imbalanced. So I pulled over. I called a friend of mine and I asked her to get into, because she lived near where where I was driving. I asked her to drive me home and just keep an eye on me. And we did that, um, and then I remember falling asleep and waking up the next day fine. Mm-hmm. So I kind of like shrugged it off. But that's probably the first time I should have gone to get it looked at. Second time, I was doing the uh, Kentucky Derby party uh, that I do every year uh, event. And same thing, I was working, running the red carpet and mingling and handling sponsors and all that. And I was looking at my phone and I was drunk. And it's towards the end of the night. And I said to two friends of mine, I said, please take me back to the hotel. Mm -hmm. I'm not feeling great. So went back to the hotel. Same thing. Woke up, had an early morning flight back to L.A. and and then felt fine. And then I believe the the third one was I was I was doing a spin class. I was probably a little hungover. Sound like an alcoholic, but <laughs> I, I just was one for my, you know, I'm not one for moderation. I have an addictive personality. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I used to be in a lot of situations, open bar, food, you know, that kind of stuff. So if it's, if it's in front of me, I would do it. And then, oh, so I was doing a spin class. And then afterwards, I'm like, fuck, I don't, I don't, I don't feel well. And then most importantly, when I was in the Hamptons, I was driving with a girl that I was dating at the time. And I started saying, I was like, I don't I'll feel right. I was like, I got to go. I got to go go to the doctor next week and get it looked at. Mm-hmm. I remember that day specifically, obviously, because that day I went back to my friend's house in the Hamptons. I was in the pool, swimming, holding my breath. A lot of times I'll go underwater for a while. And then I just remember getting pulled from the pool by the fire department. And them asking me who the president was, what day it was, what my name was, and all that kind of stuff. And then they took us to, they took me to Southampton Hospital, which is a hospital, local hospital that has no um, neurological department. Yeah, it's got nothing. You know, they said uh, they did a CAT scan, and they're like, "You have a brain tumor, and, it, and we think it's cancer." Mm-hmm. And I was like, "What's a brain tumor?" Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I had no idea. Mm-hmm. Obviously got more concerned then I called my parents uh, my mom and my stepfather they live in West Hampton so it was a couple towns over so they came over and then from there they're like oh we want you to have you go to Stony Brook and and have the operation and then you know me and my mom my brother talked about my mom's like let's get him back to New York because that's where we live and we'll deal with it back then it's not something that had to be done right there Mm -hmm. It's so interesting that like the Hamptons is this incredibly <coughs> populated place with so much wealth and there's no proper health care there. I was I spent the summer there last summer and I was just kind of surprised at like how minimal the, the efforts were for sure. Everyone's got their concierge doctors. 
That is true. <laughs> um, okay, so then what happened? You went to New York, and then what was, how did so the rest of the So then we went to New York. What was interesting, at that time, me and my brother and my mother were like, okay, what do we do now? We're mm-hmm. like, I wish there was a cancer concierge or something that can help guide us and tell us what to do, because, you know, brain tumor, can't, you know, I, I'm like, all right, so... I remember uh, we're like, all right, first and foremost, let's find a hospital to get this operation. So mm-hmm. went to Mount Sinai and had the operation. Dr. Wang, I don't remember his name. This is end of June, beginning of July 2014. And within like, I think maybe a week or so after that, we had the operation. And it was... Uh, Are you awake? No. Okay. No. Hell no. <laughs> and I just remember, you know, I was in there for two days. Mm-hmm. Uh, they took they took out the, the tumor. And I remember I was at, you know, we were asking all the doctors, you know, I was asking the doctors all of the right questions. I just remember, you know, leaving the hospital for like two days and like, oh, you're great. I'm like, oh, all right. That, that was easy. I'm great. And, and then literally two days later, my mom had to tell me that I have glioblastoma and most people don't live longer than a year. Mm-hmm. And I was like, ah, okay. Mm-hmm. And I remember I walking down to the um, the boat basin in uh, Riverside Park at like six thirty in the morning mm-hmm. by myself, and just like shit, I'm gonna die. And uh, that was the, really the moment. You're like, okay, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> why me? What did I do to deserve this? Fuck is brain cancer? <laughs> How mm-hmm. did this? Where did this happen? You know, from there, I started seeing uh, someone introduced me to a psychiatrist, um, and she was fantastic. She specializes in, can- in brain in cancer patients, mm-hmm. so it was great to have somebody to talk to. And I refer her to a lot of my friends or people that I meet that get diagnosed. Mm-hmm. And then from there, I was like, you know, I was totally fine so I, I i wound up going back to work and trying to figure out what i knew to change my what i needed to do to change my lifestyle and most importantly from there it was like okay we need to find a hospital to do the the standard care radiation the temidar temidar is is uh is the only uh chemo that penetrates the blood barrier to the brain so i didn't have to do the iv mm-hmm. Went to see. I remember I went to see Doctor Bookvar, mm-hmm. whose famous uh, shows on Netflix. And, he was on the show last season. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, but he wasn't set up. They didn't have the equipment yet. Mm-hmm. I don't know where he was at the time. Um, whether it was well, I don't think it was a Cornell. Cornell. Yeah, I think, I think he was just sorry, Doctor Bookvar, for watching yeah. this. <laughs> <laughs> he was he was just starting off there, mm-hmm. and uh, it was also a, a there was also a family connection. I believe my mom's best friend's or friend was uh, it was his her son or something like okay. that. Okay, um, And he he was fantastic. And then we just checked out a couple other hospitals, and I wound up doing uh, my standard care at Columbia Presbyterian on 168th Street. I had a car shipped back to New York, and I hired a driver to take me to 168th Street uh, every day for the three weeks that I did radiation. And the Temidar I did for up to two years, mm-hmm. um, every, every month for five days straight. Not every month. I don't remember how often it was, mm-hmm. but then I did the radiation, I believe, for three weeks. And... 
you know, with the radiation, you felt a little tired and stuff in the afternoon mm-hmm. um, and the chemo. Other than that, t- to be honest with you, I've been totally blessed. I didn't really even have any side effects, and I was pretty much able to lead a normal life. Mm-hmm. And as I met people that had Cleo, a number of people that were able to live three, four years, and a number that haven't. Since it's been eight and a half years, you know, there have been people that I have met that have been able to live longer through different other charities and organizations such as yours. I've met some other long-term survivors. Mm-hmm. But, on, you know, as you know, unfortunately, um, we got a long way to go to find a cure for this. Yeah, definitely. You know, and- Biodexa Pharmaceuticals is proud to sponsor the glioblastoma, a.k.a. GBM podcast. Biodexa Pharmaceuticals is a small biotechnology company hoping to make a big difference in the treatment of glioblastoma. Using their proprietary nanotechnology, Biodexa is developing liquid formulations of an investigational drug which can be delivered directly and locally into the tumor via an implanted catheter. This drug has been previously investigated in pediatric patients with brain tumors. Biodexa Pharmaceuticals is currently running a clinical trial in patients with recurrent glioblastoma known as the MAGIC G1 trial. To find out more about the MAGIC trial, visit magictrials.com. Imagine waking up from brain tumor removal surgery knowing that your radiation treatment is already underway. That's how gametile therapy works. At the end of brain tumor removal surgery, the neurosurgeon implants the gametiles where the tumor is most likely to return. So instead of waiting to start daily standard radiation treatments that go for weeks, you get a head start against tumor cells and get back to your life sooner. For operable brain tumors of all types, including glioblastomas, brain metastases, menginomas, gametile therapy is a one-time, targeted radiation treatment with fewer side effects and a far less chance of hair loss than external radiation. Gametile therapy is tough on tumors and easier on patients and caregivers. Learn more at gametile.com. Gametile therapy is an FDA-cleared radiation therapy for patients with newly diagnosed malignant brain tumors and recurrent brain tumors. Novacure is pleased to support the glioblastoma, aka GBM podcast. Novacure strives to extend survival in some of the most aggressive forms of cancer through the development and commercialization of their innovative therapy called tumor treating fields. Novacure partners with the glioblastoma research organization to work together on behalf of patients and their loved ones impacted by GBM. To learn more, visit novacure.com. Ruin was built by a team of patients, caregivers, and medical experts, consisting of neurosurgeons, neuro-oncologists, psycho-oncologists, radiation oncologists, nurse practitioners, and social workers who have devoted their lives to treating and helping glioblastoma patients. For anyone navigating GBM, Ruin offers a wealth of medically vetted digestible video answers to common questions. Answers are organized into major topics ranging from surgery to radiation to caregiver mental health. Check it out at Ruin.com. You know, and for those that don't know what radiation is, like, for example, like, I know what radiation is, but I obviously haven't experienced it firsthand like my father did, but I didn't. Can you talk through, like, what the process is or what someone can expect in radiation? What does that look like from a patient's perspective? Yeah, so what what they do is, radiation is, I believe, they shoot gamma rays into uh, the point where the, the, the tumor was. Mm-hmm. So they really focus on targeting where the tumor was to kill those cancer cells. And what they do is they create like a plastic helmet that molds to your head, um, and then they strap you down. 
It doesn't sound as, it's not as bad as you think So when I say strap you down. And then they put you on the helmet and then they focus. It's literally, I remember we did radiation. It was like three minutes. Mm -hmm. So you're pretty much in and out of there. And they did that every day, I think five, during the week uh, for three weeks, um, not on the weekends. You just go in and did it. Not really. No, you don't feel anything at all pretty easy in and out like i said you just feel a little bit tired and stuff and you know over the years i get mris mm-hmm. uh started off getting mris and this was after the standard care started off getting mris every two months and then a couple like three years later it was every three months and now we just extended it to four months wow obviously the longer you go the better chance and I went. Doctor Andrew Lastman was my doctor at Columbia Presbyterian, and he was fantastic. Very conservative. I would ask him, "Oh, Doctor Lastman, what are your thoughts on exercise and cancer, brain cancer?" Can't really speak to it. Not my, you know. Oh, Doctor, what about cannabis? I've heard good things about cannabis and brain cancer. Can't really speak to that. And then every, I think November, they'd have their big brain cancer conference with all the top doctors. Mm-hmm. And they're like, all right, doc, what do you got for me? We got some good news. We got a cure. We got something looking um, positive. And, you know, he would always tell me about the, the helmet. Like Optune. Optune? Yeah. Um, he'd always give me always the Optune. And I was like, eh, you know, I don't know if I look good with a helmet. <laughs> um, no, he would just say, you know, it's supposed to help for like potentially extend your life for nine, you know, three months, six months. Mm-hmm. You have to wear it. You have to strap, you know, you have to have the battery. You have to shave your head. And I was like. You can't get rid of that hair of yours. Huh? You couldn't get rid of the hair of yours. Oh, that was shaved real quick. <laughs> I like better with a bald head, actually. I was like, oh, I'll take it. <laughs> you know? So, yeah, I didn't want up doing Optune. And, and there was one. They, they take the tumor, they dissect the tumor, and then they do research to find out if there's any autoimmune, you know, different ways they'd be able to treat it in the future. So I started, they did that. But that takes, I think, like six to nine months to mm-hmm. get those results. In the meantime, I started to do a, a clinical trial. Um, and they said there's a possibility that it can, you're, you know you can get a little cloudy in terms of your vision. Did the clinical trial, and then they find found out that my tumor reacts positively to uh, the Temadar. So I didn't qualify. I didn't need to continue the the clinical trial. I was getting a little bit blurry, but not you know just just here and there. So that was the only clinical trial I've ever done. And pretty much as time went on and everything was was fine, no recurrences. Mm-hmm. You know, we, my doctor was like, keep doing what you're doing. You know, there was nothing else to really recommend. We would talk about what would happen if the, if it came back and what we would do. And they also found out I've called the BRAF mutation, mm-hmm. um, which is something really positive. If it ever came back, they would use autoimmune to help target it based on this having this mutation. So, you know, that was always positive. But I don't, like I said, I feel like I've been blessed. And obviously, I know that I'm a miracle to be alive, live life to its fullest. But most importantly, I just I just changed my habits as far as eating clean, working out. I work out five to seven days a week, stay away from red meat, stay away from sugar. And then over time, he tells me about the ketogenic diet and how that could be good for starving the cancer cells. Mm-hmm. I tried to, to do, you know, variations of it. It's really hard to do just that. And, you know, they say working out helps 
uh, the ox, you know, the oxygen helps kill the brain, the brain, the cancer cells. So just pretty much put myself in the uh, the opportunity to do whatever I can to continue to be American, continue to be lucky, and 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 lead a and lead a normal life. How do you feel like you've been able to keep yourself like mentally healthy and and positive during the entire journey? Because it's definitely been tumultuous for the last you know eight years. You've had a lot of different things going on. Yeah, but I honestly have been totally blessed. I don't feel like it's been tumultuous in any way. I would say the most important thing that I stress to people that I talk to when they've been diagnosed is that the most important thing that I've done is I don't stress out anymore. Stress is a killer. You know, like I said, I just uh, I live life every day. I appreciate waking up. I just don't stress out anymore about things that I used to. How do you just not stress out? And I'm asking for personal. Yeah, yeah, personal no, I got it. I got it. Because I'm like, why should I stress out? You mm-hmm. know, I've been lucky. I, I, I make good money. I have a, a beautiful fiance um, who's like my angel. You know, we laugh every day, and I live life on my terms. I do stuff what I what I want to do. I've always had an entrepreneurial spirit. I'm not the person that's going to be going to an office nine to five. So mm-hmm. I would say how I've changed my life is I, I, I do everything on my time. I make sure I get to work out. I make sure that, you know, I, I don't put myself in stressful positions as far as having overhead and a large staff yeah. and dealing with those kind of issues, especially with this pandemic. Do you feel like your diagnosis has changed the way that you see life and the legacy that you want to leave behind? A hundred percent. Absolutely. You know, that's why the renewable energy opportunity is very exciting for me and sustainability and seeing what's going on every day. I mean, I got to tell you, this pandemic, never in my lifetime would I expect this thing to happen. Mm -hmm. It's changed a lot of people's lives. And obviously you can say, oh, this is definitely a reason for you to be stressed out. But I don't really look at it that way. But, you know, it's definitely prohibited me from doing more things like traveling, which which is my happy place, going to the, you know, being on the beach. And I've I've traveled so many places. I've met so many amazing people. I've gone to so many amazing events that I can I've always honestly say I live more lives than most people times 20,000 and um, you know if my time does come then so be it I've lived a long I've lived a nice life as time goes on I I have friends that have passed from cancer as well or suicide mental illness you know Uh, but on the other hand miracles do happen Um, a lot of people that I know have gotten diagnosed for stage 4 brain cancer stage 4 cancer Mm -hmm. are, are still living today I think that they're coming up with some amazing new treatments and that a cure is in the future. They say brain cancer is such a such a, a challenging, difficult, complex cancer that if they ever find a cure for it, they'll probably have a cure for cancer. Is there anything that you would say to a patient that has just been diagnosed that may think that all hope is lost and may just be in this bad place mentally? Yeah, I would say, like I said, I'm a perfect example that miracles do happen. Um, when my mom told me I have glioblastoma. Also, what I do want to stress is I've never Googled glioblastoma. Mm-hmm. I would not recommend Googling glioblastoma because a lot of the data is is, is outdated and it, it paints a picture that you don't want to see. So 
I've never done that, and I tell people don't do that. And I said, you know, it, it's good to find a therapist or a person to talk to. It's not something you're going through alone. I've had I've had friends' mothers get diagnosed. I pretty much said to them, I said, be prepared. Uh, there's a good possibility that they're not going to be around for a long time. Mm-hmm. Spend as much time as possible with them. But, you know, miracles do happen. I've met people that are 15 years, 21 years. I don't plan on going anywhere. I expect to live a long life. But I would say exercise, eat clean, stay away from sugar, no processed foods. But most importantly, don't stop doing things that you enjoy. If you like chocolate, have a little bit of chocolate. Just do everything in moderation. Mm -hmm. Is there one saying or mantra that you've told yourself over the years to keep you going? Yeah, pretty much um, appreciate every day and live life to its fullest. Okay. Yeah. And what do you think has surprised you most about your diagnosis? I think the fact that I, I, I really, I just feel blessed and lucky and live a normal life. And, you know, I feel like I'm alive for a reason. And I, I, I always tell people, if you have somebody that you hear about that has diagnosed with brain cancer, please put them in touch with me because it's important. Like I said, when I got diagnosed, I didn't know what it was or what to do. And obviously, you have people like you and organizations like you that are, you know, working hard to uh, to help find a cure and make a difference, raise money. My friend Maria Munoz, who I've known for many years, she her mother got diagnosed with glioblastoma, mm-hmm. and then Maria had a, a brain tumor, but it wasn't uh, it wasn't cancerous. And th- that's always been an interesting story, an interesting journey that we've gone through together as far as educating each other communicating with each other you know her mother has been was able to get four or five amazing extra years mm-hmm. and uh, I've had other friends that were able to get an extra three four or five years as opposed to the you know the six to nine months or a year or so and then you know I've had friends whose mothers got diagnosed and they've been able to spend some extra time with their parents you know yeah it's a tough situation uh, for anybody to go through I think it's important to have people to talk to that are dealing with similar similarities of what you're doing and if you know you say that it's not that you recommend to not google glioblastoma upon receiving a diagnosis but if someone reaches out to you and says I just received this diagnosis what is something that you would say I would say you know glioblastoma is a very aggressive form of cancer it has to be monitored closely I from what I'm told through doctors they do recommend doing standard care chemo and radiation um, and that's a lot of people just you know they I said talk to as many different doctors as possible mm-hmm. I said don't just focus on one I'm happy to make some introductions some doctors are, are are different than others you know Dr. Friedman and Duke is known as the person that takes the most risks you know I learn about other different breakthroughs and things but I think most importantly what we have now is uh, uh, specific specific treatments for for specific diseases, but uh, they don't have a cure. But hopefully, at some point, I've always said to I can't imagine what Doctor Lastman or what these doctors are going through when most of their patients don't live long term. Mm-hmm. It's got to be a tough job. No, absolutely, I can't even imagine. For me, it's, I think it's even challenging having the organization where you obviously have you know stories about incredible long term survivors, but additionally you have stories of people that have passed away and it's you know it's more so the the rule and not the exception 
So I think it's obviously super important to continue raising awareness and hopefully getting to a place where it becomes more and more popular, which is what we're aiming to do here. So mm-hmm. I appreciate you sharing your story and, you know, helping people out with that. How important is advocacy work too? And what do you feel like you do day to day or not, maybe not day to day, but what do you feel like you do in your life to help continue raising awareness for brain cancer? I mean, I'm still learning. Unfortunately, glioblastoma is an orphan disease. There's not a lot of money put into this. There's not a lot of people talking about it. But every year that every year that I live, I learn more and more people that are getting diagnosed with it. But I also learning more and more people are living longer with it as well. You know, for me, I'm always open, but like, you know, I try and put some some press out there and talk to specific people or find out other people like Megan McCain, Maria and the platforms that she's been using and she's going through our President Biden's son who passed from glio. Mm -hmm. It's been some amazing people that have died from glioblastoma. Right. Yeah. For me, it's more like obviously people like yourself, different different organizations and platforms that have support groups and listening. And, and for me, it's more like, okay, you know, if uh, if you know of anyone that has glio, I'd love to be the person to help guide them. Mm-hmm. At least at knowing that there, is, there are long-term survivors, even though there's not a ton, it's, it's always good to know that miracles do happen. Absolutely. Well, thank you for taking the time to come on the show and, and share your story. I think it'll be able to impact a lot of people and provide a lot of hope. So, Thank you, and I appreciate it. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. Cool. That's it for this week's show. Thank you so much for tuning in again to another episode of Glioblastoma, a.k.a. GBM. To get in touch with our organization, visit us online at gbmresearch.org or visit us on Instagram or Facebook at Glioblastoma Research. Visit us on Twitter at glioblastoma.org or visit us on LinkedIn at Glioblastoma Research Organization. To make a donation to the organization, which is fully tax-deductible, visit us online at gbmresearch.org, where you can designate your donation in honor of someone or find other methods that you can make a donation with. Thank you again for supporting us, for supporting the show, and we'll see you next week. Welcome back to another Deep Dive with Stash Strong. Today, let's talk about this episode with Greg Link. What was your biggest takeaway? Finding professional support. Mm-hmm. I think every stage of diagnosis, whether it's day one, again, or in grieving, I think the importance to at least find an outlet for you as an individual, whether you are a, a patient going through a GBM, a caregiver, mm-hmm. someone even ancillary, a, a parent, you know, who, whatever your role is, I think it's o- often important to find that outlet, right? Mm-hmm. And for me, it was Stash Strong, right? Mm-hmm. So like I got to be very vulnerable showing, talking with my brother about his battle, right? Yeah. I, I talk about him in memory now daily, yeah, right? It, it's my outlet mm-hmm. um, that has helped me. And a lot of people, I think, as Greg alluded to, finding that support is important. So interested kind of how you've been able to find that support or what your outlet's been um, mm-hmm. through what you've gone through. Yeah, I think our organization has definitely been a pretty big outlet, but like I also have gone to therapy, not consistently over the years, but I feel like it helps sometimes and sometimes I feel like it doesn't necessarily help and then sometimes it helps again. And kind of, I feel like you just have to be in the right mindset mm-hmm. and you have to like want to be in therapy and you have to be like willing to talk about things. And I also found that like post my dad's diagnosis, like there were some times that I didn't want to talk about anything, which was fine. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to pause therapy. And then a couple months later, something would happen. I'm like, oh, got to go back to therapy. Mm-hmm. Did you ever go to therapy? I did not. Okay. Um, again, I, I think through Staff Strong, I, I'm a huge proponent of therapy. I think people should do what's right for them. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, Staff Strong. But you found your thing. Staff Strong is my therapy. Yeah. Right? Like point blank, 
what I do is sometimes helpful for me mm-hmm. to process, Yeah. right? To, to, to know that I can help a set of brothers mm-hmm. from day one, find an answer, find a clinical trial, for what, whatever the situation is. Like mm-hmm. that to me, it helps me get through what I've seen and gone through. And, and on the subject of therapy and psychologists, like when my brother kind of the pa- the final, I'll say month, he talked to a psychologist. He was like, uh, inpatient daily, mm-hmm. um, and part of his therapies was a psychologist. And it was the first time in, mm-hmm. in 24 that months, 25 months um, total with GBM that he he did that. And and you know I don't ever really talk about it, but sometimes I wish he got to go to therapy or, or, or chose to go to therapy, whatever the situation was mm-hmm. during his diagnosis. And mm-hmm. I think it could be a really important thing for someone going through that to talk to a you know professional, especially someone who might certif- be certified or, or specialize in cancer and yeah. brain cancer, because I think he shouldered a lot yeah. to protect his younger brother, his younger sister, his parents, right? Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, he's fighting brain cancer, right? So even just having that outlet, again, Stat Strong was it a bit for him, but um, I think it's really important to find your outlet, but realize that therapy might be the great opportunity for you to talk to someone that's not your brother. Yeah. Talk to someone who's not your mom and dad and sister, right? For my brother's situation, I think that could have helped him not have to, you know, always shoulder everything throughout. For sure. I thought it was interesting how Greg was talking about how he, you know, he does find professional help or he has in the past and that it's just interesting to see how someone who's lived with post-glioblastoma for so many years and he's doing great, like how how much of an advocate he is mm-hmm. for it. And I, I think that it's really great for people that want to go to therapy. But I also think that if people don't want to go to therapy, like that's okay too. Totally. But there's like, like, like you said, like before, even like off air, like you like to like play like paddle and like, there's just so many other like outlets. I feel like to not have to, like you're saying, shoulder all of these things. Mm-hmm. So I think that's pretty cool. Yeah. And he, he also mentioned in the interview, just find someone to talk to. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and that's from someone for years yeah. going through GBM. And I think that's really important. And Again, if you rewind our beginnings of Stash Strong, GBMRO, I always say it was like an isolated place. Yeah, like, I had no one to talk to. No like, one to talk to. No one. And now I do. I didn't even share change. my story recently yeah. until recently. Like you asked me to write a story yeah. a couple of days ago, and I was like, Oh, what am I supposed to do? <laughs> like, like how, what are we talking about? How helpful was that for you? Right. It was helpful. It's definitely triggering. Yep. I was like, okay, but I, I also like you know I've said this before. We have the Warrior Wednesday series, and I ask everyone to share their stories. So like I. I have to share my story. Mm-hmm. Like we were just talking about yeah. before we got on air also, like I don't expect people to do something that I would never do myself. Mm-hmm. And so that was like, oh, I have to write this thing for Colin now. Yeah, and, and, but, but I think it, it, it was good, it was good. You're always there for everyone else, Yeah. right? And I think sometimes just like this outlet, right? Finding someone to talk to, mm-hmm. you know, triggering yes, right? Every time I write my brother's name on paper or an Instagram post, like mm-hmm. flood of emotions, right? Because yeah. it, it's real. Mm-hmm. But uh, for me, talking about him, talking about what we've been through, knowing that that's helping at least one person, that's my outlet. Yeah. Do you feel like over the last couple of years, has it gotten easier? Like when you write his name down, like do you still like get as upset? Yeah, it's a day in time. Okay. As you know, with grief, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I could write the most detailed piece and unfazed. Mm-hmm. And then I could just write this tiny little caption on an Instagram story and it's like, gosh, yeah. man, I wish he was here, right? Yeah. So it's always different, but I will say it gets, the, the thing for me that's harder is in the beginning, the first two years, I was writing about him while he was next to me. Right. Right. I was yeah, videotaping I him I can't imagine what that going was through like. treatment, yeah. right? Like 
and now it's always in memory. Mm-hmm. And that to me is probably the most difficult piece. Like I enjoyed writing about him when, sure. when we were 10 feet away, even if it was a tough day. Like I knew that at least getting it out was, was something that could help both of us, our family get mm-hmm. through it. But you know, every day you write, tomorrow will be one day further since he passed, right? For so sure. it, it always gets harder as you actually, I think it gets harder as you get further away because those me- those are just memories, Yeah. right? There's nothing new that you're writing about to, to help others get through. It's always three and a half years ago, two and a half years ago, right? Yeah. As you remember what they went through. For sure. I also think it's important for anyone listening that it's never you know wrong to ask for help. Um, and both of our organizations are always here, like, you know, open door policy. If anyone has ever any questions, um, needs support, Colin and I are always here for anyone. Any, you know, suggestions, questions, we'll, we're, you know, we're here to do the best we can to help provide any support or advice in, you know, a non-medical advising way to be able to, to help anyone that needs it. So if well anyone said. needs anything, we're here for you guys. Well said. Thank you for joining us on another episode of Deep Dive with Staff Strong. <laughs>